So hello, everyone. It's Chris Calvert from Career Goals. And today you are going to be hearing the interview I did with Camber Parker, who is the Associate Director of the Greenville Area Parkinson Society, which sounds very official and fancy. But let me tell you how I found Camber. I mean, it's funny to think like how I know her, which is really not true (laughs) in that way, because I think I kind of just stalked her on Instagram. I don't I don't know if it was exactly like it came through my feed. Maybe someone else was doing something else. You know how that is. And then you're connected to something. And then somehow I find her blog, which is amazing. And she has this whole blog where she talks to young professionals about, you know, their experience and what they're doing now and just kind of like the early years of life. So she has this sweet spot where she's talking to people from, you know, say early 20s, you know, kind of post-college time to about 39, which is, I think, a really nice sweet spot for where I talk to people also in so critical about the decisions that are made there and the trajectory that is set and the course of events that happen, the people that you connect with in that time is really, really sets you up for what you will continue to be doing in the meat of your career in your 40s and 50s. So super excited to be talking to her about that. But Camera has this full-time job life that existed before this, which is really a big part of this story. And why I want to talk to her is talking about the idea of switching from a corporate life and going into an environment where you think out of college, like I've made it, this is totally it, I am like set. And you've worked really hard and put in all the skills and done the level of work before in college to get you that job, then you get that job, you show up, you you know, you're killing it. And you realize, shoot, you know what, this is not for me. This is like, so not for me. And now what do you do? So Camber ended up making this transition, making the hard decision to go from corporate life into, um, you know, a different industry in this case, in, to the nonprofit sector. But even if you're going to switch corporate for corporate, I think it's still a little tricky, just to um, just to identify what it is that's not working, and then really get to know yourself. So Camber has this really nice experience to relay to you. And again, I think this conversation will be so exciting for so many reasons, because the way that she kind of navigated these first couple years, even the ending of college, and then, you know, through the beginning of her work life is really cool, and really interesting. And I hope you enjoy this conversation with Camber Parker. So welcome, Kemba. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm thrilled that you reached out to me, and I will admit I stalked you too after you. Reached out, so. <laughs> it's the best. It's the best, actually. Now that we have uh, stalking capabilities. Yeah. Okay, so why don't we just start and get to know what it is that you do? And I think maybe aside from the blog, if we start with kind of what do you do for work? Yeah. So I will give a quick background on me. So I am 23 years old. I originally am from Baltimore, Maryland, and I came down to Greenville, South Carolina, which is in the western part of the state, to go to college at Furman University. Ended up leaving, went to Tennessee for a year, and that's when I 
came back to Greenville, um, where I ended up coming into a role that I had interned for as a student. So I currently serve as the associate director for the Greenville Area Parkinson Society. We are a 100% locally founded and funded organization. And so my role really does consist of wearing several different hats. We have a team of three and we currently serve a little over 1200 people in the upstate of South Carolina. So around 10 to 12 counties um, with people who are dealing with Parkinson's disease, not only the patients, but their families that are affected by it. So we provide advocacy, support, and education. Um, and so, like I said, three staff members working with a little over 1,200 people, and the numbers keep growing. So you can, you can imagine uh, we're stretching ourselves pretty thin, but I do love what I do. I have a personal connection to Parkinson's disease. My uncle had Parkinson's, and that's why I got involved so many years ago as a student. And so it's really cool to see everything come full circle um, especially because this is a job that I'm so passionate about and I get to combine something I'm passion passionate about with connecting with people. My job every single day is meeting with different people, trying to figure out how we can partner, how we can make the lives of our members better while they're fighting this disease. So I look at what I was doing my first year out of college, which was working in the corporate insurance industry and I was sitting at a, in a cubicle for eight to 10 hours every day. And looking back at it, I have no idea how I even made it a whole year because that is so not me. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm doing now is, is way more me and just way more fitting to what I would like to be doing in the future. I love this so much for so many, so many things in there that you said. So let me just ask you in terms of the trajectory in college, because I think this is a, this is a kind of a critical thing when people finish high school, go off to college, really excited, like, Oh, great. I'm going to go to college. And I think there's so many reasons you're going to college. One of them is to grow up and the other is to get educated and the other is to, you know, meet friends and connections and all that kind of stuff. So when you, I don't imagine that you had this vision in your head when you first went to college because you kind of took this detour in corporate insurance <laughs> along the way. Right. So when you, when you went to college, you know, coming down from Baltimore, where were you thinking of going to college and why? Like, what were, what were the options that you were looking at? Yeah, so I was actually, I knew from at least the beginning of high school that I wanted to go down south because I did not like the cold, and like many people. And yep. my dad is actually from South Carolina. So okay. because of that, I, you know, had been coming down to South Carolina my whole entire life. And through that, I found Furman University, but I was looking at several other large, well, mid to probably mid-sized schools in the South, like Elon University, Wake Forest, Swanee University. Those were some of my, my big schools that I was looking at. And what really sold the school for me was the size. Furman is only about 3,000 students. And I felt that this was going to be the place where I could really make a difference. And at the time, my uncle had just been diagnosed with Parkinson's. I was not anywhere near thinking that I would end up doing something with Parkinson's, but I I knew that I could make a difference somehow. And so I was able to, you know, really be, uh, I I don't want to say big fish in a small pond, but essentially I was able to really get involved in a lot of things that I cared about 
I got involved in a sorority. I got involved with uh, the tour guides and, you know, admissions on campus. I got involved in a leadership institute. And so all of those things really led me to what I'm doing now. Um, That leadership institute that I just mentioned was actually through Furman. And it's how I met the co-founder of the Greenville Area Parkinson Society. So had I not been a part of that program, I don't think I would have found out about the organization when I did. And if I hadn't figured that out in back in 2014, you know, who knows where I would be now. So I really do think everything has come full circle for me, but it's funny looking back at it because I never would have imagined one that I would have found an internship surrounding Parkinson's disease, but two, I never would have thought that I would have left the corporate world to come back to a nonprofit because junior, senior year of college, I thought that that was the end all be all. I thought I was going to climb the corporate ladder. Right. And I'm not ashamed to say that because I think a lot of us feel that way. And yep. I quickly learned that it was just not a good culture fit for me. And I'm hesitant to say that I'll never go back to the corporate world, but it'll be pretty darn hard to, especially after I've experienced what I've experienced in the nonprofit sector. Um, there's just so much, so much good that happens and it's so tangible. Yeah, because I, I think I think you're right. I think what happens, what I, I, this is my impression, is that just the same way that kind of Instagram and you know these so- social media sites sell sell all of us on this other world, like this other life that's out there that everyone is living and it's amazing and oh wow, you know I really really wish I could do that or have that or be there or whatever. I think the same thing might be true for jobs. And I think when you're in college, the idea that you're going to college is so that you can get into one of these positions because maybe you could do other stuff that you didn't need to go to college for, but oh no, you need to go to college. And if by that doing that, then therefore you must be in this trajectory and this is your path. And so I, I, I kind of get the impression that people are sold certain stories about the way that life should, shoulding, should unfold um, in terms of this. And then if you don't go to one of these, you know, big corporate jobs or something that somehow you're failing yourself or you're not striving or you're not, you know, pushing or whatever. And in reality, I think that just could not be farther from the truth for those people who really know themselves and have taken the time to become self-aware before they go and make these moves, they're just going to be a lot happier. They're just going to be able to cut out some of the, some of that misery really of being mismatched in either an industry or in position or in culture, like you said here as well. So when you went to school to study, did you have a certain plan of what you were going to study? So when I got there, I knew I was interested in communications and I actually wanted to be a journalist for a very long time growing up. Katie Kirk, what brought that what brought that on? Did you were your parents journalists or something? Uh, or? No, they were not. So I loved to read and write. That was uh, something from an early age I just always loved to do. And I remember seeing Katie Couric once you know, like maybe when I first started watching the Today Show or, you know, something. And I just said, I want to be her one day. Yeah. And uh, So I ended up really going into like every project I had in elementary, middle school, maybe early high school was always focused on journalists. And I got to college and I did an internship um, at a local publication company. So different than journalism, but, uh, or excuse me, than broadcast journalism. But I realized that it was not a field that I actually 
was interested in it at all. But that summer that I had the internship at the publication company, I was actually introduced to the concept of networking. Now I was, I was a sophomore in college. So I was, you know, 19 years old. My friends and I were not familiar with it. We were not familiar with going to networking events, but I had one mentor really, uh, without even knowing, I think he invited me to just a coffee date one day with somebody who we were trying to have become a sponsor for the publication company. And uh, she was younger. She was maybe, we were about 10, eight, 10 years apart in age and she was a Furman grad as well. And so we, we sat down for coffee and I don't know why I felt the need to, but I reached out to her the next week. And from there, she sent me to 10 new contacts. She was like, reach out to them. Here's what they do. Just ask them about their stories and their path. And so I set out that entire summer to do that. Um, and I think that's where my love of networking and connecting with others really came from. And so I really am not surprised that I have a blog that is focused on hearing people's stories. Completely. And yeah. That's exactly what that came from. So going back to your, your question, sorry, I, I know I just went a little. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. That's, it uh, gives so much good information to people too, because this is not just a one answer kind of life, you know, like the know, things I'm, happen. I'm so too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so going back to what you were asking before, I thought I was going to be a journalist and it was through all of the different experiences I had at Furman that did change my, my path that I thought I had. As I mentioned earlier, you know, I, I was part of a leadership group and I found a lot of business development skills from an early age. And obviously they were not the type of business development skills you gain from experience in a real world position, but I was, you know, I had the opportunity to lead different projects and to manage projects and really in combination with that and then going on these coffee dates, as simple as that may sound. I found that I really loved meeting with people just on a daily basis, finding out how we can work together and partner and really just being a connector. And that is my ultimate goal is to be a connector. I think my peers think of me like that, but I would love to become that for a lot of different people and different demographics. Mm -hmm. I totally see this. Okay. So let me ask you, when you were at the publication company and you said that, that you realized that that wasn't really a fit for you, even after all those years thinking that you wanted to be in journalism, et cetera, what was it? What did you identify? What about that industry that wasn't working for you that was different? Because I'm thinking connecting to me, that seems like journalism seems to be a connecting kind of job. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't anything, it, it was a gut feeling it wasn't something that I think is tangible that I can share. It just did not feel right to me. It didn't. And it didn't, it didn't propel you to say, okay, let me go. Okay. So if it's an environmental fit, that's not there, let me go have four more internships and see, you know what I mean? That's what I'm, th I'm thinking. Like, would you advise someone to do that? So say if I wanted to do something, um, you know, for my whole life, I, I just am thinking like, are you going to get 20 years down the line and, and thinking like, oh, shoot, you know, what if I didn't do those four internships? So it just kind of what allowed you to then just kind of leave that aside? Yeah, because I mean, this is something that I was thinking about for years and years and years. So I think what what allowed me to move on from that was 
honestly, having an internship working for the Parkinson Society, I didn't really look back because I had a pretty unusual internship. I was the first intern we had ever had because our organization started in 2012. Um, so we were very young at the time that I, I joined in. But because we were so young, they asked me to serve on the board as a senior in college. And I was actually asked to plan our annual fundraiser. And we raised over $55,000 that year. Wow. And that wow. was my senior year. And that is not a normal internship. That was something that I, I mean, I, I was very grateful to them because they were willing to invest so much in me. And I accredit my boss with a lot of that. Um, she came on a little after I had started my internship. And so we, you know, we were able to get really close because we were helping, we were both helping each other out, but she was willing to give me, you know, a lot of rope essentially to, to work with. And so because of that, I was so preoccupied with this, that I didn't even really think about the yep. journalism. I completely get this now. Yeah, that 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 fills in the gap completely. And I think you're making a good point here that is worth staying on just for a second. These opportunities that exist, first of all, it's taking the initiative, right? So because that it but for you doing that and you know, because you could just show up over that internship and just kind of like chill, you know, just kind of like, okay, I'll move these papers from left to right and you want me to make a phone call here and there and I'll make sure that the people have coffee if they come to this whatever, you know. Or you can say, you know what, these are the skills that I am good at and I would want to develop or, hey, let me try. And I think so many people that I talk to that have really good success in their career, I don't mean success like they're making, you know, $5 million a year and they, it's not like that, that, that are happy and, and fulfilled in their lives are the people who say, I just tried it. I just am willing to try. And then by doing that, you're able to, um, you know, there's that, there's that idea in like neuroplasticity, right? That if you just, that, you know, things will die off in your brain if you don't just keep working them and moving them. And I think that's true in your career also and in your own personal growth. If you don't just keep trying things and putting yourself out there and putting yourself in these situations to see, even by contrast, oh, I hated that. That is amazing information. That is excellent yeah. information. You, It's almost as good as I love that because, <laughs> because right? Because you can get to the other side of that. So I really appreciate this about your whole story. And I think it's encouraging for people to see you know, if you give up, quote unquote, because I, I like I could totally see someone saying like, oh, wow, you know, you give up on a dream, you know, but no, no, no. This is like this is a childhood dream. And the really what you're saying that's so easily identifiable is you are a connector and a doer. So you are going to connect and do. So whatever that environment exists around that to connect and do in that's that's what's going to be happening and I think that I'm just realizing this as we're having this conversation it's like a really good big picture thing for all of us to look at to say what are what's the really big idea here that you're doing you know if you take it out bird's eye view what's the main idea you know just like you would if you're writing an essay or something you know what's the what's the main idea connecting and doing and then with you then you have that context of you know, the Parkinson Society, which is awesome. You know, obviously, if you have like a personal connection to that, you're going to be more invested. But it's really in the work, you could take the work that you do for this society and go to another society and go to another society and probably have also great fulfillment, because it's the it's all that connecting piece. Absolutely. And, and I think just your point about, you know, saying, whether you hate it, or you love it is a really critical feeling to have when you have an internship 
the same thing goes for a job. And that brings me to, you know, what I was doing the first year out of school. I found out really early on that it was just not for me. And I am very prideful. I did not want to leave the company. I felt like that I would be quitting, like, you know, internally yes. quitting. Yes. And I am so glad that I did that because I would not be where I am today. I am actually celebrating my year anniversary with the organization and my year anniversary back in Greenville. And I feel like I'm really at a point in my life where I am so content with everything because I'm doing so many things that I love, but none of this would have been possible had I not gone to Chattanooga, Tennessee and experienced working for that company and realizing that I didn't love it. So I cannot, I can't, I can't say it enough how important it is to leave when you don't think you're in the right place. Like it might, it might be embarrassing. It might be really hard. I'm really private. And so I did not want to tell anyone about this, about leaving. And I am so glad that I did because making that jump got me here and, you know, then we wouldn't be having this call right now. So it's just, it's really cool to think back on that. But I'm really fortunate that it happened when I was 22 and not when I was, you know, 42. So Absolutely. And that's the, what would be predictable is that it would happen when you were 42 and that, that, that you would have stayed and you would have just trudged through and you would have had all these conversations with yourself about like, well, you know, don't just don't, are you just leaving because it's hard? Are you just leaving because of this? I should, 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 I can't stand it. You know, we should all day long, you know, you should stay, you should do this, you should, you know, whatever. And it's, it gets you into a lot of trouble, I think down the line. How did you end up in this corporate insurance industry job in the first place? though? Like, how did that even come about? Was that from like the career office? Did you go in there and they said, you know what, you'd be amazing in insurance? <laughs> because, because I actually, you know, in business school, I, I studied insurance. I love insurance. The whole, yeah. you know, risk management aspect of insurance, I think is incredibly fascinating. It's a whole nother world. Mm-hmm. But I, how did it even happen for you that you ended up there? A lot of people ask that because I always, you know, I was a political science and communications major, double major at Furman. And so Naturally, I, my little joke is naturally I went into the insurance field, but <laughs> exactly, I, exactly. <laughs> so it always gets a few laughs, but <laughs> I, I did go to the career center. They did not tell me, you know, Hey, you should look into insurance, but through the career center, I found a job opening for a rotational program. It was a leadership development program. And I, I say it now, I think it's so funny because I believe wholeheartedly the reason I got that job was because of my leadership experience with the Parkinson's society. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Because I I had a lot of leadership roles that as an intern. And so I really think that that was what led me there. And so even though I wasn't doing all of the, you know, the, the math behind everything, I was, I was handling long-term disability claims. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, sitting in a cubicle for, eight plus hours a day. Um, were you on the phone with people? Is that what you were doing? Managing the, the uh, actual members? Yes. Yeah, so I was actually managing uh, claims and clients. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, I was the person saying yes or no to people getting disability. disability insurance. So that was very emotionally taxing, but ultimately I, I chose the job because of the leadership potential. 
And it, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it just ended up not being the right fit for me, but it's very ironic because I really do believe that I got the job because of the Parkinson society. And then because of the insurance job, I was able to come in back to the Parkinson society at the level that I'm at. So it is really, I mean, I keep saying it, but it is really come full circle. Yeah, no, for sure. I think when I'm just kind of reflecting on the whole, the whole story, when you're saying that, you know, leave when you know that you need to leave, like I, I, this is striking me because I'm feeling like you kind of knew all along. I, I, I always feel like the answers are in you and then it's just a matter of letting them out. So I'm kind of feeling as you're talking that you kind of knew all along the work that you wanted to be doing and you just kind of ended up in this industry, maybe you thought that it was going to be something different than it actually was, or maybe you didn't, you know, when you're, when you're 19 years old, 20 years old, 21 years old, I don't know if you, if everyone thinks about the environment that you're going to be doing these jobs in. So it's one thing to go and work, you know, cause you can be on the phone in a call center and you can be on the phone as a, a sports agent and you can be on the phone all day doing disability and it's all very different. Right. So, and that you could be quote unquote in a cubicle or in an office when those, those, each one of those feels very different too, for whatever people are doing. But I think what's the driving force here is the, this connecting thing. So when you're sitting in this corporate insurance cubicle, I imagine, I imagine you're there, right? So you're there and I've been in plenty of cubes myself. So you've been in there and you have a little, uh, what you have a little, little mic. little mic. Okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because now you're all hooked up into your PC. Okay, so you have a little mic and they're probably recording things. Maybe they have some scripts popping up. I don't even know what happens in this whole thing. What's the day? What What is the day when you're like this today? Like I today is that I can't do this job one more day. Like I cannot keep doing this. I think for me it was when I remember it. It was you know March of last year. So I ended up I started my current job in in May of 2018. So this was March of 2018 and. I went home and called my mom and asked my mom to come visit because I just didn't know what to do anymore. And I have been away from home my whole life. I've been going to a summer camp for years where I would be gone for a few months at a time. I went to college 10 hours away from home. Yeah. I'm used to being away from home. But right, I get it. You're saying like you're not the person who's calling your mom. <laughs> my mom I get and I, this. we talk all the time, but like we're not – I get it. Yeah. Dependent on each other. Like Mm -hmm. we, she, we love each other. We have such a great relationship, but my whole, with my whole family, but they just know that I've always been this way. I'm always going to be away from home. Hopefully not for too much longer. You know, I hope. (laughs) But you're independent. I get what you're saying. Like you're independent. It's not, this is not a crutch for you. Right. But I called my mom and asked her to come down to see me because I really didn't know what to do anymore. I, my confidence was gone. Yeah. That is one of my biggest strengths, I think. And I, I would say a lot of my friends would probably say that about me. And I just didn't even recognize myself anymore. Um, I was avoiding calling my good friends. And that was when I knew. Because no job should make you change. No job should make you, unless it's for the better. But mm-hmm. right. no job should make you like just really change the core of who you are. And so, like, I, I love to exercise. I didn't want to work out anymore. I oh. love to socialize, didn't want to go out anymore. And that's just disgusting to me mm-hmm. because 
that's like who I am. And so yeah, it's almost like a low grade depression hits in, you know, like you just know that you're, yeah, you're like your energy's all off and right. It's just like, nothing's working. Yeah. So again, it was, I definitely had my, my own version of low points in that first year out of school, but I am so glad that it happened. I really am because now I'm on the other side of it and I'm really happy. Yeah, that's interesting too, because I, you know, you don't want to, you know, people are going to have their path, you know, your path is your path and there's never any like, oh, you know, I, I wish I would take this whole thing back and it doesn't matter where you are in your career. I think everyone has something that they would have tweaked just a little bit, but then of course the big picture is, well, no, I don't want to tweak anything because I don't, I don't know what would have happened, but there is also a lot of benefit. I think I'm really getting from your story in and just the struggle of it, because how do you know that, you know, then you go, you know, maybe you got that internship at the Parkinson's society and then you ended up working for them right after. And you might still have this like struggle in your head, like, oh, I'm really loving this, but should I do this in private industry? Should I go into PR? Should I do the, You know, like if you're smart and successful also, I think it's, it's easy to kind of, you know, get ahead of yourself a little bit with all these, like, oh, I could do this, I could do this, because you could do a lot of stuff, you know, and be and be successful at it. It's just whether it matches up for you. So I'm like, I appreciating the whole that whole story. So now, from where you are now, where do you kind of see things going? Do you plan like say down the road, or do you just kind of like let it, you know, go with the flow, or how do you manage your career now? Well. For one, I am very lucky to have a great organization behind me. Not only is my boss, who's the executive executive director, not only is she, you know, rooting for me and really working to help me succeed and develop my career. Our co-founders are very invested. We have several board members and really the board as a whole who know me really well and want to see me succeed. An example of that is, you know, we're looking to kind of shift my role uh, to gain, to have me gain new skill sets just a year in. And I'm excited to, you know, to gain more responsibility. And I see, I definitely see myself at this organization long-term on the other side of things. And we haven't even gotten into this about the young professional blog that I started, you know, this is a side project for me, but I really do see it taking off. I'm really confident in that because I think I have a lot of really great ideas. And I also think that young professionals have a lot to share, but there's not necessarily the platform. There's not necessarily the best platform for people to share those stories. So I see that taking off. And so right now, long-term, I would like to be at the Parkinson Society for as long as they'll have me. I'm so passionate about it. I see a lot of growth. It's not a stagnant position that I'm in. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with the blog, the Yo Prono. But I, I feel like those are my two core, core things in my life right now that really bring me a lot of happiness and joy. And, you know, we'll see. I don't think that I need to have a five or 10 or 15 year plan. I just need to know that I'm, I'm happy because the first year, first two years out of school were like, ah, you know, there, it was so much going on. Um, so right now I'm just very content in not staying stagnant, but I'm content knowing that I'm where I want to be. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to be stagnant. I'm going to continue to push and continue to grow and, and educate myself so that I can apply all of these skills that I've gained anywhere. Yeah, no, I, I, I think also what you're saying too is really important. 
in talking about the your executive director who in my impression from what you're saying is a really good mentor is a really good cheerleader is a really good supporter of yours and then being in that environment that is tremendously helpful and so you know of course it's helpful you know, from a personal standpoint, because you're in an environment that's awesome, but in to have someone who can also kind of guide you with, okay, great. You know, you want these skills, let's figure out how to get more skills. And I think so many people, we don't think about our, we don't think about our career trajectory in terms of what skills do we want to be acquiring or what skills can we acquire? What are we really good at? And making sure that we're doing something that we're good at at least once a day, because that's really where you're going to get the most growth is just in your strengths and your strengths. And so having that, because I, I feel like we have this impression that like you did, you know, going to this big corporate situation, which they have amazing leaders and amazing training too. So it's just a matter of where the fit is. Right. But being in some of these smaller organizations, you, as you have had, even as an intern, you get a lot of opportunity for a lot of touch points along the way. And you really can gain a lot of skills at pretty high levels. I mean, fundraising to, you know, over $50,000. I mean, that's a, that's a high level skill that you now have something you've accomplished that you can, you know, talk about, grow with, you know, make better. So I think you're making a, a lot of good points along, along the whole line, just for yourself, but also for just this environment that you've created. Thank you. I, I think that what I've learned, if, if you had to put everything that we've already talked about and just everything in a nutshell, like what is my biggest takeaway from the last couple of years? It is being self-aware. Yeah. Hands down, self-awareness is key. When I actually went to my training orientation for the leadership program that I was in at the insurance company, we all had to take Strengths Finder. So if you're familiar with that, you know, yep. give me your top five skills. I love personality tests. I'm such a nerd about it. Well, I, me too. Of course you do. <laughs> you're a connector. Of course I, you do. Um, <laughs> but I, so we all had to take this quiz and they told us when we all got in the room, they said every single one of you, even though self-awareness is not one of the five strengths, um, we all had very similar strengths. You know, you could tell that, that we were, we were all in the room for a reason, but they asked us, why do you think you're here? And, and we all were making connections to the strengths finder test, you know, like, oh, well, we all have, you know, a, you know, uh, leadership or we all have communication or, you know, something like that. And they said, no, it's because you all tested extremely high in self-awareness. We took another um, test, Ravens something. I can't remember the, the full name. But we all tested extremely high in self-awareness. And they said the best leaders are those who are self-aware. And so that has always really stuck with me. And yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. That's like and really helpful to get early on too. Like yeah. that, even t <laughs> being aware that you're self-aware, right? So like that's, <laughs> that's a great gift actually. Was that a test? They gave you a test before you got the job? Was this part of the, the job it was, it was process? A, it was about four interviews, so it was a long process, but that was something, you know, doesn't matter if I'm there, that I'm not there anymore. It's still so relatable because think of all the people that you know that are not self-aware, and sometimes you look at them in a business setting and you think to yourself, why did they just say that? Like, you know, like think of yes. all those people. Um, or why do they have this job? Like this, it could right. not be a worse fit for this person right. who's exhibiting themselves in front of me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so 
So, so I just found that really insightful. And, um, but I would say that if you, you look back the last two years, I feel like I am really self-aware, but there's always a lot to learn. There's always so much. Like I, one of the questions I started off asking some of the young professionals that I was interviewing was, do you think you know yourself? And I started taking away that question just because I think that we're all, we're all always learning about ourselves. Like I, ever, ever evolving, right? Yeah. So even if you knew this morning, you might not know this afternoon. Exactly. So I, I took that question away because I, I just started realizing that the answers were not really solid answers because it's so fluid, you know, we're yeah. always, like you said, we're evolving. Yeah. But I think, but it's a good point because this is kind of the whole intersection of knowing your strengths and then having other people, you know, validate that for you. Because if you, if someone, if anyone, a parent, a teacher, a friend, but better to be a parent, a teacher, a mentor, you know, to someone to validate, you know what, you know, Chris, you know, Camber, you're really good at this. You should really like, think about this thing that you're really good at. And what you're really good about is, you know, knowing yourself, but what you're really good at is communicating with people and talking to people and making them, you know, like a part of you and, you know, whatever it is, it's tremendously helpful. So I just want to encourage as we're having this conversation, because I feel like you're this person who then would pay it forward, you know, with other people as your, you know, director, I feel is, you know, doing for you also is just to, when you recognize these things in people to validate that in the moment, you know, validate that for them to say, you know, like you're really being self-aware. I'd be my gosh, if someone said, you know what, Chris, you're really self-aware. I'd be like, thank you. you. I don't know if you could give me a better compliment really, you know, because it's like your whole, life's work in a nutshell, like you just said, to, to have that. So yeah, I think, uh, I think that's, that's incredibly helpful and to have it, to have it kind of like, you know, solidified, if you will, in a, in a test or in some way that you could say was, you know, verified fact. Okay, here it is. You know, you're self-aware, you have greater self-awareness than other people. So that's, that's really helpful. And I think that's actually, that's helpful on other points, even to think about, you know, if you don't know what you want to do and that kind of stuff to do these personality tests and to do these skill tests, this I've taken skill tests. I think they were part of the, probably, you know, aside from personality tests and things, which maybe you could figure out about yourself, but these skill tests are very edifying. And if you can find some of those or work with career people on these specific skill tests, which, you know, sometimes they give, if you go to some of these big investment banks or whatever, they'll, they'll give you, you know, essentially IQ tests, but, but a lot of them are just, you know, spatial recognition, you know, like linear thinking, you know, idea generation, all this stuff. And uh, if people are lost, I think that's a great place to start just to get the validation of what you're good at and then start going in that vein. It doesn't matter what industry you work in, really, as long as you are playing to your strengths, whatever they are. For the most part, I think all of the tests that I've taken are very spot on. And maybe that's because I feel like I have some intense qualities, but really... Right. Exactly. That you play to. Yeah. That are, that are like at the forefront. Exactly. Oh, very cool. Okay. So let's talk quickly about your, um, about your blog. And I really just, how do you, how do you, how do people get involved with your blog? I think is really the, the, key, the key because I think it's just, um, you kind of have to be invited, right? <laughs> you can't just like call you and say like, Hey, Camber, put me on your blog. I have this interesting perspective or how does it work? Yeah. So I'll give you the, the really brief rundown. So now that you have all the context that you have with my first year out of school, I started this blog, the Yopro Know, because of my first year out of school in a position that really was just not the best fit for me. 
And so I thought to myself, all right, well, while I'm not talking to my friends because I'm too prideful, maybe there are resources out there where I can look at what other young professionals are doing. And so that was really where the whole journey started. And I found that there are certainly a lot of stories about people's careers. Um, There are tons of blogs that are for young professionals that are like, you know, how to dress as a young professional, what to wear to an interview, et cetera, et cetera. But there really wasn't a one place, like a hub for all young professionals. And so that's what I really aim for this blog to become. Obviously, I had to start somewhere. And so I started while I was living in Tennessee. I interviewed my first interview and um, my first young professional. And it just kind of, the idea came to me in that first interview oh, Sean, how would you like to connect me to the next person? And then it just started this whole web. Um, so it, all of the, I've interviewed 40 people currently, and I've only released about half of those stories. I just have, I like to have a lot of, um, a lot of stories, you know, in the queue. But I have interviewed, you know, out of the 40 people, I would say there were about 10 starters, if you will. Um, so I might be talking to a friend about the blog and like a perfect example, a friend of mine from college said, Oh, you need to talk to my cousin. She is a news reporter in Indianapolis. And now she's like, you know, she's a, a guest host at the Indy 500. Like she does all these really cool things. And so she's a young professional and I reached out to her and was connected to her. She, you know, interviews celebrities all the time. Like how cool is that, that I was able to interview her, but I, I wasn't connected to her through a previous interview. It was just my friend and I talking and he thought, Oh, here's a great person. So, so I guess to answer your question, I like to have people, I like to have each of my interviews connect me to the next interview because I think that just has a wider concept that everyone's really interconnected. Um, you know, we're all kind of six degrees of separation, um, which I, I always like to push because I think it's so true, but Another reason, another way that people can get involved is, you know, just reaching out. If you think you know someone with a great story or if you have a great story as a young professional, so anywhere from, you know, right out of college to 39 years old, um, if you think somebody has a great story, then, then, you know, reach out. I think that everyone's story is worth sharing. I don't think when people ask me who they would like me to connect them to, I tell them, you know, hey, I don't care if they're at the same job, the same age, from the same place. It doesn't matter because how they got to where they are is a completely different path than that person's. So does that make sense? Completely. I I said the other day, talking to a lawyer, I said I could have a conversation with 100 lawyers and have 100 different jobs. Completely. (laughs) Yes. path is just so different. And that's what I think. I think there's so much value in it. And I think, I mean, you know this, young professionals, millennials, we get a lot of, we get a, we get a bad rep. Yeah, a lot of flack. But my blog really shares all of the good things, but also the struggles that then turn into good things, you know? So it's, it's not just all happy butterflies, rainbows, like all of that in an interview. It's, we talk about their personal struggles, their career struggles, their successes, We talk about what they like to do for fun because ideally, you know, down the road, I would love for a young professional who lives in New York to look this up and find 
people from New York and say, oh, like this person goes to the same coffee shop that I go to or, you know, whatever. And so this blog really does showcase all of the really good things that young professionals are doing. And we bring a lot of value. I have been struck by so many, so much wisdom. Um, I like to think that my friends, you know, we have a lot to share. We we obviously have a lot to learn, but we are this generation that all of the other generations are looking at right now. Everyone's looking to us because we're the next generation of leaders. We are, you know, we're the ones who are always on our phones. We grew up, we grew up with just technology surrounding us. And so, um, so I think there's a lot of value and that's why my audience is not just for students looking to join the workforce soon. It is those people, it's young professionals, it's experienced professionals. I think this platform is for everyone. And so that's going to be my goal is to figure out how to reach all of those audiences. But I really just want to push that part that it's, it's showing all the wisdom and all the good things that young professionals have to bring. Yeah, I think it's so helpful because I, of course, you know, got in there and read some of my little blurbs, which I, I loved. It's, I think it's so interesting because the way that you weave in the story is what is really noticeable in the way that this blog evolves. So it's not just like, hey, what's your job? What do you do? How much you get paid? And, you know, whatever, you know, what's your vacation like? So that's that's one way to do things. And that I think is maybe what you were finding initially in your searches on the Internet or whatnot. But this really does fill in a gap with there are real real people out there doing real real work in in really a wide variety of ways and getting there a wide variety of ways. And you know what? That comes from the essence of them. And that is really what comes through on your blog is when you read it, you you know the essence of this person. And then you can say like, okay, yes, that maybe this person is in, like I read that, you know, the guy doing his restaurants. So maybe this person is an entrepreneur doing restaurants. You know, maybe this person, the other guy's doing like HR or something like that. But even all that aside, I'm like, wow, this, this, this is a person doing this, or this person was an athlete and they took that and made that into, made it into this whole career or something. And then people can recognize themselves. And I think so much of what um, those of us who are out out here doing is to, you know, give, give, give everyone an idea that you can recognize yourself in other people. You can, you can fast track your, your career. You can, you know, change your life. You can do whatever you want to do. If, if you can recognize yourself, have self-awareness, but then a lot of the ways to do that is by seeing other people's you know, lives and reading their stories and under getting to know them as well. So I think it's amazing what you're doing. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I'm sure people are like completely, they should be completely flattered when you're talking to them because you're really bringing forth a whole new perspective for young professionals. But as you said, you know, an older audience, a younger audience, the, the audience is anyone to be yeah. reading your blog. Absolutely. And I am, I thank you for all of those kind words and I'm excited to see where the blog will go because, I, like I said before, I have a lot of ideas. Um, but again, this is not my full-time job, so I, I spend a lot of time on the weekends and in the evenings working on this. Um, I'm lucky that you know my job is, is flexible enough that if I can meet somebody for coffee at 7.30 in the morning, I can do that. And it really – it's just a – I tell people all the time, this is a selfish networking thing for me. Like, I – get to talk to people. You probably feel the same way. I get to talk to people all the time about where they are, like how they got to where they are, you know, what really drives them and motivates them. And it's just, it's fun. It's, it's, I feel like everywhere I go now, if I, you know, if I roll up, roll out to California, I have a place to stay because I 
have made these contacts and maybe that's just, I don't know if everyone would do that, but you know, it's, it's just a fun, it's a fun situation to be in. Like I'm 23. I feel like this is such a fun project. And now I do have all the time to put into this and to put into my, my job. And, you know, so I feel, I feel very fulfilled doing these two things. No, it's amazing. It's amazing expression. So I love, I love, I love that you're doing it because you're so suited to do it. So it's perfect. It's like that. And that's why I think it just to encourage people even to follow your lead and say, are there, are, are there things that are, that I'm really good at that I enjoy doing that I could just do a sideline project and see where it goes. Cause that's how life yeah, I mean, goes. You and know until you, try. you never know. You never know. So what would you say in terms of working? I mean, you mentioned now you're associate director and you have an executive director, but what, like who succeeds in the kind of work that you do? You know, if you have this, you know, what you said, three person office, what kind of people do well in this nonprofit um, setting or in, in your case, I guess I'm getting the impression maybe it's a, a fundraising capacity. Maybe we could think about it as a, you know, development job. Who does well in this and why do you think you do well in that setting? So I think hands down, you have to be self-motivated and you have to be comfortable managing your time well, because especially for such a small nonprofit, we, we run our schedules. We create our schedules every day. We, you know, I, I work from home sometimes. I work from our office. I work from coffee shops. Not everyone can do that because you have to have just a lot of discipline. And so I think hands down, you need to be disciplined. The second thing is you need to be comfortable wearing a lot of hats. So you need to be versatile. You need to be okay with doing things that are not on your job description because, you know, just last week, my boss was helping me move boxes and boxes from my car because we had three programs last week for our members. And I am moving to a new apartment this week. So she helped me you know, lug all these things out of my car. Like the executive director shouldn't be doing that, but she does it because it used to be just her. And she remembers when it was just her. So she is very help. Like she, she wants to help. And so, and the reason I had all these boxes in my car was because I do all of the operations and logistics for all of our programs. So, you know, I do that. I do development. I manage all of our volunteers. I manage the QuickBooks. Like, so I do all the finance side of things. We do have a treasurer. So he does help reconcile everything. That's not my background, but you can see how many things I do. And so sometimes it is hard to compartmentalize everything in my head, but I stay on top of it because I'm really organized. So disciplined, organized, being flexible and able to you know, wear many hats is going to be key if you're in the nonprofit world. And I, I think that goes far beyond just a small team of three. Um, I think that could be as that could go all the way to an organization like United Way, um, you know, or a large cancer society. Like that's, that's huge. You need to make sure you have those three skills. I love that. Thank you so much for like, for filling in that blank because I think people, they feel nonprofit. What I think of when I think of nonprofits too, is just a resource disparity sometimes between, you know, a big corporate office and, you know, your nonprofit. I remember I had a girlfriend in New York who we had worked together at a big law firm and she went on to the, you know, the smaller, no non-for-profit, not-profit organization. And she's like, you know what I miss? The only thing I really miss is printer paper always being in the printer 
(laughs) It's just these, like these little things that you don't think about. So I'll just ask you as we, you know, are talking about this, do you, do you ever have resource problems? I mean, like how, because it's, you have to get your own funding kind of thing. So is it, cause you go from a big corporation, like you're talking about where they're like, okay, here's our conference room and here's the, you know, the PowerPoint, we're going to go up on the smart board and et cetera, et cetera. Here's all your fancy chairs and, oh, do you want a Coke? It's over in the, whatever, you know? And then you go to this and it's like, you're saying, I mean, basically you're, you're the, you're the whole job. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we deal with that every day. We are very lucky that, I don't know if you know anything about Greenville, South Carolina, but we're I've been to Greenville place. many times for work yeah. and I actually love that place. Yeah. yeah. There's like a big convention center or something there, right? Yeah. There's like a, and that's not convention center. Maybe it's like a, it's a big meeting place and yeah. I would, the, I would be there many well. times. Okay. So, you know, so it's, it's wonderful. It it's is a great place. I honestly, I can't believe that I, I left and, you know, I'm glad I'm back, but it was, it was so hard to leave because it's just a great place. And alongside that, the community is very generous here. So we have, you know, there's a lot of nonprofits, but we, as an organization, we are lucky to have such a generous community. On the flip side of that, we are completely local. We don't have a parent company that, you know, is giving us money for admin or programs. So it's, it's all, everything is, is funded based on our two annual fundraisers that we have and then individual contributions. And we do have community partners, but unfortunately with Parkinson's disease, it's not as well known as a lot of the other neurological disorders. So what happens is a lot of people will say, I mean, they'll, they'll give small amounts, which is, is great. But then there's the people who won't give anything until something happens to them. And that's just the case with a lot of people all over the country. That's not just here in Greenville. Um, and that's because green, that's because Parkinson's disease is not as well known. It's just people don't want to kind of dive in until it happens to them. And unfortunately, it will likely happen to someone they know in their lifetime because scientists are predicting that by 2040, the population with Parkinson's will actually double. Wow. And I think a lot of that is because people are going to become more educated about it. Uh But it's, uh, it's, so that is to answer your question, bring it back. Um, resources is definitely, they're definitely, um, an issue, but we make do just because of the generosity of the community. And I think we, we still have a long way to go in terms of, you know, reaching our goals, but, we are so small that we're, we're able to hit those goals every year, um, but we have some longer-term goals that we'd like to uh, to continue to strive towards. Yeah, and I think that hits on your point of being disciplined too. It's like because it's almost like your own your own business in a way. It's like your efforts are going to have the immediate impact in yeah. the success of your society. In this case, you know, your not-for-profit, like you are directly related to to the result. Absolutely. That's what I think people need to understand if they want to, well, I've been talking to guys about NGOs and all that kind of stuff too. And it's like, you just got to understand that's not like, it's not like big security, you know, it's not like, oh, I want this really secure position and I want to be here for the next 20 years and maybe, the, you know, whatever. But if you're in a position to do it, great. But, uh, you know, it's not NGOs fine. especially. Okay. I know I'm taking an extra however many minutes of your time. And I'm sorry. I know like this is because these conversations always go on, but I, I mean, I am like so thrilled to talk to you and I really, I am so grateful. I really appreciate your time. We'll talk soon. Great. Thanks. Chris. Right. Thanks again, Cameron. Don't be so hard on yourself.